Man, what a sweet time that we've had together. I love prayer meetings because I love these sweet moments where we don't have a service that we have to get into, like starting after this. We've got time that we can just spend in the presence of God. That's why we start at 7, but we open the altars at 6.30 because we want to create and cultivate an atmosphere for you to simply spend time in God's presence. There's nothing like it. It changes everything. And I feel so honored to have the opportunity to share my heart with you. I'm so grateful for the Dursos, for our pastors. My goodness, what an honor it is to be in this room. And even what Pastor Durso was saying, I think of Pastor Maria. And Pastor Maria has been preaching since before it was allowed and before it was cool. And she paved a way, she pioneered a path for women for people to really truly get to walk in the call of God. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful for the legacy. I'm so grateful for the leadership. I'm so grateful to even have this opportunity to get to share my heart with you. Tonight, I just wanna take a couple minutes. I promise it won't be long. And I just wanna talk for a couple minutes about the journey from proximity to presence. Because you see, it's not enough just to be on the proximity of the things of God when we have full access to his presence. You know, I've always thought of myself, this is going to sound really funny because most of you know I'm not originally from New York. Do we have any like native New Yorkers in here? I feel like we have quite a few. Okay, yes, a lot. Well, I'm not originally from New York, but I've always felt like I was a New Yorker. Like truly, I'm from like little small town Pennsylvania, but I can remember when I first got my driver's license, I took a bunch of my friends, I was 17 years old, and I was like, I'm going to drive up to New York City so we can spend the day in the city. So I've always felt like, oh yeah, I can totally handle New York. I'm a New Yorker at heart. And I can remember a couple years ago, I was meeting up with some people in the city for a conference. I was flying in from out of state. And so I, in my heart of hearts, I was like, I'm a New Yorker. I know how to do this. So I fly into JFK and instead of taking the easy route of just ordering an Uber, taking a taxi to the hotel, I'm like, no, 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 I got this. I'm gonna take the train. And so I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. I can figure it out. Again, this is before I figured out that there are amazing apps that will tell you exactly what train to get on. So I find myself standing with, I've got a big 50 pound suitcase that barely made the weight and my backpack full of all the things that didn't fit so I could put it under the plane. So my backpack is heavy, I've got my purse, I've got my suitcase. And I find myself standing in front of the map looking at the transit and looking at all the things that are just numbers and colors and letters. And I have no idea what any of it means, but I'm like, no, I'm a New Yorker, I can do this. So I'm trying to figure out which train to get on. I'm running late and it just so happens to be rush hour on a Friday. So anyways, I'm like, I got this, I got this. So I find myself trying to navigate the New York City subway from JFK into Midtown Manhattan and I've got my big heavy suitcase. I'm literally taking it down the stairs. I'm like pulling it, you know, where it hits every step. And it's like boom, 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 going down the steps. 
So anyways, I'm standing on the train and I have no idea if I'm actually going in the correct direction, but I'm trying to figure it out. I transfer trains all while carrying my huge suitcase, my heavy backpack and my purse. And I'm just like lugging my way through the subway system. I finally find where I think I'm supposed to go. And so I get off the subway, head up the stairs, same thing. I'm pulling my suitcase every step. It's like bang, 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 all the way up because it's so heavy, I can't get it up. And I finally find myself standing in the middle of the city, big buildings all around me. I've got all my stuff. And I'm like, okay, now I've got to find the hotel. So I made it. I figured out the subway. Now I have to find where my hotel is. So I'm walking down the street and I find, I'm think, I think I'm in the right direction. And so I'm standing and I start looking around. And I'm like, I think this is where my hotel was supposed to be, but don't really see the entrance to it. Where is it? So one of my friends calls me. I'll keep this short, I promise. One of my friends calls me. She's like, hey, where are you? He's like, hey, I think I'm standing on the right street, but I can't seem to find the entrance of the hotel. It just so turns out that I was standing on the wrong, like, block of where the hotel was. I was standing on the back side of the hotel. The entrance was a whole nother block away. And so I'm looking and I can see the hotel. I can see it. It's right there. But I can't get into it because I have to take all of my heavy suitcase, all my bags, and I have to go all the way to the other side of the block. And I remember just considering for just a minute, you know what? I've come far enough. I'm close enough. I can see it. It's right there. I don't think I can go any farther. I don't know if I can carry all of this stuff with me another block to find the entrance. And I think I'm just close enough. And thankfully, I had a friend who actually came and helped me carry my stuff because I was like, I don't think I can do it. And I just, it, I, that story hit me this week as I was praying. And I wonder how many of us have done that in our walk with the Lord. Where maybe you've been in the proximity, the presence of God. I mean, you showed up tonight. You did what it took to bring all of your baggage, all your burdens, all your things. You showed up. But proximity, if we settle for simply being in proximity, we won't experience or actually engage in the activity of God. The, the presence of God is what changes us. You see, you could be in proximity, but God wants us to be in his presence. I love, like I said, that we have prayer meetings and things like these, that we have the opportunity to engage in the activity of God. But sometimes it becomes so easy to just kind of settle in. This is my routine. This is what I've done. I come, I show up. But tonight, I think that we just want to go a little bit further. Why settle for being on one side where you can see the hotel or just, if I would have just sat down in the street with my bags, when there is a room assigned to my name, how sad would that be? And yet so many of us do that in our spiritual walk. We settle for just being close enough when there is a room assigned to your name, literally with your name written on it, every single thing that you need. God's presence holds everything you need. Don't settle to stay in the proximity of it. 
I want to read out of John chapter 5 tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It's a real short story, but I'm going to read it for you. It says this, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. It's surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once this man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Let me give you a little bit of backstory about this particular scripture. There was a legend in the days of old that said that this pool at Bethesda, I've actually been there when I went to Israel, this pool in Bethesda um, had this, this moment every once in a while when an angel would come and would stir the waters. Now when this happened, anybody who was diseased, who was sick, who was lame, it, whoever the first one was to get in the water would be healed. Now this pool at Bethesda is also right by the Temple Mount and it's actually believed to be the water, like holy water, um, that supplied the temple for all the things that it needed. So this was a really important place in Jerusalem, in the city of the Lord. And so here we find all of these people sitting around this pool of Bethesda, waiting for the water to be stirred, just waiting. They are literally on the edge of a miracle at any second when that water was stirred. Now, like I said, that was legend. Um, and so that's why all these people were around. And we don't know exactly what it means or how it happened or if it was true, but we know that people believed it to be true. And so here we find this man who's been sitting by this pool for 38 years. Can you imagine sitting on the edge of a miracle for 38 years? I'm not even 38 years old. I literally cannot imagine what it would be like to feel like you were on the proximity of what you had always wanted for 38 years. So here's this man, like I said, we don't even know his name. We don't know what was wrong with him. We don't know what happened, what his story, what his backstory is. But there's this moment that all of a sudden Jesus walks into the picture. And what we know is that after 38 years, one moment changed everything. One encounter with the living God changed everything. Now, I think if you're like me, I kind of picture these moments in like movie moments. And so I'm, I'm watching this story happen and Jesus, I see this man sitting by the pool, discouraged, disheartened. He's been there for so long. He can never get, he's never the first one in the water, so he's never healed. And here he is and he locks eyes with somebody across the room and something is different. And I'm picturing this moment that Jesus, it says that he knew him. He knew what his condition was. We don't 
know what his condition was, but Jesus did. And so I'm picturing this moment, it's this like climatic moment that Jesus is walking over and those of us who are reading it, we're like, okay, man, like this is your moment. Like, this is it, this is what you've been waiting for, 38 years, here you go, Jesus is on his way. And Jesus comes up and he asks the question, do you want to get well? My goodness, I'm reading the story and I'm like, yes, 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 that's what you've been waiting for, isn't that why you're there? Of course he wants to be healed, of course. And yet I read this story and I read what the man's response was. And what does he say? Sir, I've got nobody to help me. Somebody always goes before me. I think I'm like, okay, why would you respond like that? That's what you've always wanted. That's why you are literally sitting by this pool. And yet I think about how many of us would say the same thing. Do you want to stop worrying? I imagine Jesus asking me the question, do you want to stop worrying? I'm like, yeah, but you don't know how much the load of, on my plate is. Do you want to be free? Yeah, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm coming from. You see, we've been given access to the very one who holds it all. And what is your response going to be? The question is set before you, do you want to get well? Are you going to meet Jesus with the excuses and with the reasons why that's not possible? Or are you simply going to recognize who stands in front of you? Are you going to recognize the presence of God when you find yourself in a room like this? It's easy to stand on the sidelines, even in a room like this. Even in your walk with God, it's easy to stand on the sidelines. But what if you changed your perspective? What if you began to notice when Jesus walked into the room? God's presence is here. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? You see, everybody at that pool was waiting on something. They were waiting on the side of this pool for something. And I know each of us are waiting on something. Are you waiting on an answer to something that you've been praying for for years? Are you waiting on healing? Are you waiting on promises fulfilled? Are you waiting for a more convenient season? Are you waiting for a specific thing? What is it that you're waiting on? One encounter with Jesus changes everything. I love that we sing songs like, I'm going to wait on you. It's scriptural to say, okay, God, I'm not just waiting for the answer. I'm waiting on you. I'm not just waiting for the healing. I'm waiting for the healer. I'm not just waiting for this to happen in my life. I'm waiting on you. Because when one moment, one instant happens and you encounter the presence of the living God, it changes everything. You see, this man, his response to Jesus shows us something. And in my opinion, I see it as not only did he have a withered body, sounds like he had a little bit of a withered heart. He's like, sir, no one's here to help me. 
Somebody else always gets in before me. Some of you can relate to having a withered heart. No one will help me into the pool. Maybe you're here and you're like, my family's not saved. I didn't grow up in an environment like this. I never learned the Bible. I didn't know what God um, had for me. I'm too late in life. You could probably fill in the blank or maybe the same thing. Someone else always goes before me. Maybe your heart is withered and discouraged tonight. Here's the thing, proximity and, be, and settling with proximity will always lead, lead you to discouragement. It will always lead you to disappointment. Someone else goes in before me. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that type of prayer where I'm like, yeah, but Lord, how come what I prayed for, they got? Hold on, like I've been praying for that. Maybe you're here and you heard some of the prayer requests and the praise reports. People getting jobs, people having babies, whatever it is. And maybe you're like, hey, 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 I've been praying for that. And now we're up here saying that somebody else got that. It's because a discouraged heart comes from being in proximity, but not fully being in the presence of God because the presence of God will always lead you to promise. It will always lead you to trust. It will always lead you to be able to say, even when I don't see it, you're working. When you're in the presence of God, you can say those things and believe it. You can say those things and trust. Tonight, we simply have the opportunity to put all of the excuses and the things that we might have carried in here, all the burdens and baggage, and maybe you found yourself in a place that you're like, I don't know if I can go much further. You're in the right place. All you have to do is simply take a step. I love how this story ends, and it ends with Jesus. So after this man gives this the reason as to why he doesn't think that he can be healed, what is Jesus' response back to him? Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now here's the thing. Jesus in that moment challenged the impossible. Because this man has been sitting there and he's been wanting to stand up. He's been wanting to take his mat and he's been wanting to go home. So Jesus looks at him and he's like, God, he's like sir, I don't, I don't think I can do it. And Jesus looks at him and says, stand up. Now can you imagine what kind of hope has to fill your heart to actually begin to move your muscles to see if you can? It says, Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was healed. You see, sometimes you have to hope so that you can heal. You have to be filled with a certain hope that says, I'm not gonna be discouraged by what I've been through. I'm not gonna be discouraged by what's happened to me. I'm not gonna live in discouragement, but I am gonna hope in the one who holds it all. And that hope begins to put a little bit of muscle. And this man stands up. He takes his mat and he walks. And 
each of you have the same opportunity because how do we go from proximity to presence? Take a step. It sounds simple and sometimes it really is an actual physical representation of that step. Sometimes it's coming into a worship service and even if you're not comfortable lifting your hand. Sometimes that's what that means. That is taking a step and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going from proximity. I'm not just gonna be on the sidelines. I want to be in your presence. So you lift your hand. Sometimes it's finding yourself taking the bold step to the altar and saying, okay, God, I'm laying this at your feet. I'm taking a step. And sometimes it's more of a spiritual decision to say, I'm gonna allow my heart and my soul to hope again, to hope for the miracle again to hope and believe that you are working on my behalf. When I, was, when I was really young, I had this major fear, and I honestly don't know where it came from, but I had this major fear of being kidnapped. Again, I don't know why, but my little seven-year-old self was so afraid that I was gonna get kidnapped that I would find myself waking up in the middle of the night and I would just be so fearful, be like, okay, tonight's the night, it's gonna happen. And so here I am, seven years old, I remember one night in particular and I'm laying in bed and I wake up and I'm so paralyzed in fear, I'm like, it's gonna happen. And so I kind of figure out, again, seven-year-olds are funny ones, but I figure out in my mind that there are only three places that kidnappers could come in to your house. And so I realized, I'm like, okay, so the first one was through the window. So I'm like, okay, so I like, I go to the other side of my bed and I get as far away from the window. And I'm like, okay, good, I escaped that one. And then the second place that in my little seven-year-old mind, I figured out that you could get kidnapped was with somebody under your bed. And so I muster up as much courage as I can and I leap across my room to make sure nobody could like grab my ankles. So I leap across my room and I'm like, okay, I made it through that one. So I find myself standing in my doorway and I realize the third place in my little mind that makes sense to me at seven years old is the hallway. Now you see my parents' room was right across from my room. So I found myself standing in the doorway, my little seven-year-old self, and I'm literally right there. I'm fully in proximity to my parents. If I say something, they're gonna hear me. I can reach out, I can touch the door, I could open the handle, and yet I was stuck and paralyzed in fear in the doorway. Unsure of what that unknown step was gonna look like. I don't know if I can do it. I was so afraid. I was in proximity, but I knew I needed to be in the presence of my parents. I knew I needed to be in the presence of safety. And so I stood in this doorway and I debated and debated and debated if I should take that step to finally get to the presence of God. The thing I think plagues church or Christians the most our doorway Christians, where we stand in the doorway, we can reach out, we can touch the presence of God, we might be able to open the handle, we might be able to see everything, but we never take the step to actually be in the presence of God. And sometimes what, I, what that means is just that you are actually engaging in the activity of God. 
not just spectating, but engaging. Tonight, we're gonna close, the band is gonna sing. You can stand all over the room. I wanna call us out of the doorway and into the presence. Nights like tonight, like I said, are some of my favorites because we've got time. We've got an altar. We've got space for you to begin to engage with the activity of God in your life. And I believe that there's not one person in this room on accident. There is a reason and a purpose for you tonight, and that is to simply take a step into the presence of God. I know that there are people in here who have been walking around with withered hearts. I have been there, discouraged, wondering, but Lord, somebody else always gets it first, but Lord, you don't even know, <laughs> even though we know he does. But what if we made the choice tonight to start to hope? Proximity will always lead you to discouragement, but the presence of God will always lead you to promise. Because it teaches us to hope. And when you begin to hope, you begin to heal. And I believe that there is healing in the room tonight. Sometimes you've got to start to move those muscles. You've got to start to trust that God is who he said he is, that he is doing what he said he's going to do. And you actually might have to put some action to it. You might have to stand up. Are you discouraged? Stand up. Are you in need of healing? Stand up. Are you in need of freedom? Stand up. Let this be the moment that you take a step and walk in freedom, walk in healing, walk in answers. Just to finish the story, what's wild is that this man, he, be, he picks up his mat and he's on his way home. And you know what happens? The religious people actually stop him, the Pharisees, and they're like, hey, it's the Sabbath, you can't carry that mat. They were so concerned about the rules that they missed the miracle. Hey, you can't carry that mat. Can you imagine? After 38 years, you're finally healed. But here's what you need to know. You might walk out of this room and have something happen that all of a sudden makes you think that you need to put that mat back down and you need to lay down by that pool. What happens is that it says that Jesus found the man once again. Always. He is always faithful to find us once again. Never will there be a situation, never will there be a circumstance that you will have to go this by yourself. It says Jesus found the man and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now go home. So this man begins to testify of the goodness of God. He goes back to the Pharisees and he's like, hey, this man named Jesus told me that I am free, not only of sickness, but now of sin. And he begins to testify of the goodness of God. I believe that there are some of you who have a testimony 
that's gonna just absolutely explode after a night like tonight. What it's gonna take is for you to stand up, to pick up what you've been laying on, the things that you've relied on, the excuses that you've relied on, and to start to walk into the fullness of what God has for you.